All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 13 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I am your host, Brock Segan. We got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi with us today. And, you know, pretty much as always, uh, Biebs, we'll start with you. How's it going, bud? Oh, um as always doing great uh just another week uh pushing on the avs are are playing so it's good and uh and i have something to watch so i'm a happy guy um you know just uh just just living the dream right now watching my fantasy teams lose and d how you doing bud doing good brock happy to be here so boys we got a lot uh to talk about on today's show uh we're gonna just kind of you know normally we've got more of these like planned segments where we just go through uh guys we we want to talk about but there's just a lot going on in, in fantasy hockey right now a lot of different things um to talk about so the first thing we're gonna we're gonna talk about and, and I, I don't think that we should talk about the russian government at all because i think that is no, a very not, scary thing to do that. so i'm not gonna put that out in the universe but we do need to talk a little bit about this artemi panarin situation um and then off of artemi panarin we're gonna talk a little bit uh just about you know for people that have lost him for who knows how long uh just how to replace panarin in your fantasy lineups right now and then you know it, it that that leads to anybody who needs to pick up anybody off the waiver wire right now at the wing position so um you know if you've been living under a rock um our tammy panarin said some things uh about the russian government uh some anti-putin stuff 
And basically uh, a hit piece was written about him. And then now he's had to take a leave of absence from the Rangers. Nobody knows when he's going to be back in New York uh, playing. So uh, obviously a tough situation because you just really like, you know, obviously you got, when you're hurt, you, you you get a bit of a timetable of when this guy might be back. In this situation, who knows? It could yeah, be all we've year. We've never seen uh, anything like this. No, like it's just it's not it, like we it's, have something to go off of either. Yeah, uh, or should we? Uh, no, it's craziness. So uh, obviously, like you got to basically, if you're a panner and owner at this point, it, you know, just kind of ride it out. Obviously, you're not going to drop them because who you know? Again, it could be resol- uh, resolved in a matter of time, uh, but. To replace Panarin is obviously not an easy task, but you know there is some some options on the waiver wire that we're going to talk about here in a moment, just to to kind of uh, you know bridge the gap and hopefully he does return sooner rather than later. Uh, I'm going to just quickly open here uh, with Vladimir Tarasenko because uh, he was back skating uh, at practice today. Uh, he has been skating for for a number of sessions now, uh, but today was the first time that we've seen him actually take a regular rep. Um, in practice, obviously Tarasenko is a, is a guy that was drafted uh, in many leagues, uh, but his own percentage right now does sit at only 65% on Yahoo. Uh, so still widely available in a lot of leagues. And uh, he was skating on a line with Braden Shen um, and Jordan Kairou. Uh, sorry, actually it was Braden Shen and David Perron. Uh, Kairou moved up to the O'Reilly line. So they're kind of shuffling things around with Tarasenko coming back. So uh, on the surface, that looks like a really, really good line. Um, so somebody like, you know, Tarasenko would be probably the best case scenario uh, if, if he's available in your league to replace Panner. And that, you know, it's obviously difficult to replace a guy of Panner's, Panner's uh, skill set. But if someone's going to do that, Tarasenko is about as close as you're probably going to ever find uh, at 40 you know percent available in, in Yahoo leagues. Um, Beebs, I know there's a couple other guys that, that you had your eye on as well. Uh, yeah, real quick mention one that, uh, that I'm going to actually let you segue off of here, Brock, but, uh, we've mentioned him in previous episodes, Tim Stutzel, um, a rookie out in Ottawa, someone who people are saying, should he have gone first overall over Lafreniere, but five goals, six assists on the air, 44 shots. Only one of those points is a power play point. And thinking about Stutzel that really gets me going is, uh, in the last couple of games, he's just been on an absolute tear with Brock's boy. And I guess D's boy, Drake Batherson, what? Uh, D's boy, and if you want, I guess Brock's boy is, yeah. I think, a little well, more. Yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah, so anyways, Drake Batherson, you know, <laughs> um, the second coolest Drake in Canada. Um, they, just seem, they just seem to be killing it as of late. And, but for Stutzel, four points in his last four games, five in his last six. Um, he's kind of just, if, if you watch, he kind of just dominates the ice for Ottawa. Um, and it seems like, you know, he's, we've really only seen his worst so far and at 11 points, uh, through this many games and 44 shots, I'm totally okay with that being at the bottom of my roster. So if it's only going to get better, um, you know, not, not his worst, but you know what I mean? He's, he's gotten through his, his, his rookie days. Um, and then things really seem to be clicking here for Stutzel and Batherson who, uh, Batherson couldn't find the net for the first couple of weeks. And now all he can do is score. Uh, really liking those guys out in Ottawa. Stutzel, 22% owned. Um, for comparison, Trevor Zegras, 24% owned. Guy doesn't have a point yet um, and is somehow more owned than Stutzel. So I don't know. Yeah, that one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, and yeah. I was fully prepared to come on to this podcast and uh, say Zegras is a pickup. Yeah, I agree. And, and gush about Zegras. But the yeah, fact same. that Stutzel's uh, more owned, it makes no sense because really what you're relying on uh, out of Trevor Zegras at this point is power play production. Uh, you know, he's been very limited, obviously, in a small sample size at 5v5, but uh, he looks every bit the part of a, a premier playmaker on that top power play unit. But 
you get the same thing in Stitzel. He's already on that unit. He's he's arguably the focal point of the Ottawa Senators' top power play unit. He's mm-hmm. looked uh, every bit the part of a top uh, three pick. Uh, I know going back to the draft, I put money down on him getting drafted second overall. And, and he, you know, maybe it's definitely too early to be like, he should have been picked over Lafreniere. Oh, but yeah. he definitely should have been picked over Byfield, in my opinion. So uh, especially on a team with as many centers as the Kings have, I'm still very surprised about that pick because Stitzel just looks dynamic. Uh, the one thing that's very interesting about Stitzel and Batherson is, and the reason that why I love them so much is I've been gushing about them on the DFO DFS show every single day because that line has been on absolute fire at 5v5. Um, you know, they're not the greatest defensive line. They do give up a whole lot of opportunities on their own end, uh, but they've just been uh, humming and just generating scoring chances uh, at will uh, so far this season. And it seems really like any line that Stitzel ends up uh, playing on generates a ton of scoring chances. Uh, right now, that line, uh, 3.3. Uh, four expected goals for per 60, which is uh, among the best for the Senators right now. Mm. So uh, love them. Uh, D, I know you love Batherson as well. He's at uh, only 15% on both of these guys worthy of pickups in my opinion. What? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, a lot of room for the ice time to grow too, right? They're both averaging right around 15 minutes a night still. Um, so I, I think especially as the season goes, uh, goes on, um, we'll definitely see Stutzel continue to take on a larger role and hopefully Batherson can be a part of that. Cause if he can, obviously, um, the production should be there. Yeah, Batherson, four goals and two assists in his last four games. So uh, definitely someone who's going to start being picked up a lot more. Yeah, I mentioned, like, it seems like any line that Sutzel plays on uh, seems to generate a lot. But the same can be said about Batherson. Like, when he was in that top line with Norris and Kachuk, uh, they were absolutely humming. And just, you know, they, they broke him up for whatever humming. reason. But they were, you know, averaging four over four goals, uh, expected goals four for 60, which was just ridiculous. Uh, a couple other names to talk about, uh, Nico Heischer, obviously he, um, is a center, so not quite the same position, um, at, as Panarin, but he's, he's back in, um, New Jersey. He's only 28% on Nico's a guy that we're, uh, all pretty high on, on this show have been before. Uh, and, and so far he's kind of been eased back in the lineup, uh, hasn't seen the most usage, but, uh, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago when he was kind of nearing a return that he's going to eat into some of Jack Hughes's, uh, ice time. And then obviously, uh, you know, that that's going to slowly continue, uh, continue to happen. Um, and Jesper Bratt on his wing has been exceptional since, since returning to the devil's lineup, uh, almost a point per game pace right now. And uh, he's only 2% owned. So in much deeper leagues, I think Bratt is worthy of a pickup as well. Uh, both uh, or Brad is on the top power play unit in New Jersey. So uh, just a few names. Uh, I, I think he sure is definitely somebody to at least consider in the short term here. Um, if you're a Jack Eichel owner, Jack Eichel was a late scratch uh, on Thursday and uh, he's day to day questionable to play this weekend. So um, Biebs, uh you got a couple other guys to talk about here. Yeah. One guy that uh, it'd be a shame if we didn't mention him. It's uh it's Matt Zuccarello out in Minnesota. Someone who uh, start after he got traded there, was it last year? It was just off to an absolute tear before getting injured. Um, has came back now and in five games has three goals and six assists. One thing that's a little alarming though, with Matt Zuccarello only 12 and a half minutes the other night. He's playing around 14 to 16 minutes right now in Minnesota, not on that top power play. But um, Brock actually had a funny tweet this week when Zuccarello was returning about uh, him and Kapril Kaprizov and Victor Rask saying, who the hell is going to shoot the puck on this line? Um, and it turns out that all three of them are just going to score goals and dominate everyone, including the Avalanche the other night. Um, Zuccarello, 37% owned. Someone who, if you can grab right now, I'd grab him while he's at least hot. Um but I mean, if you could spot start him as well, he's, he's, he's a great thing there. But, um, you know, nine point or yeah, nine points in five games is hard not to touch. 
for now. Yeah, but it, there are to, some really alarming things, but you know. Yeah, to me, uh, so I actually just wrapped up the DFO DFS show before I jumped on here, uh, and you know, on a three game slate tonight, they're going to be massively popular. Uh, obviously, I'm you know, we're not a DFS show, but they're going to be wildly popular. And I was telling everybody like fade that tonight, so I, I hope they stay ice cold because. I don't love Zuccarello because there, there's just tons of red flags here. Like, first of all, that, that line as a whole is, is not really generating a lot at all. They just are converting at an absurd Every rate. shot and, goes and, in. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need to look far, uh, much further than Zuccarello shooting 42.9% um, and then a 26.7 on a shooting percentage. Like, I mean, some of the most absurd rates I think we've ever discussed on this podcast in six years. Uh, so obviously, you know, I, I think think that he is okay in the short term because they are you know probably one of the hottest lines in hockey right now yeah. but it's they're converting at it, it, like the probably the most unsustainable rate <laughs> of all with time that ice time too it's not like you know he's not getting those he's not getting the dustin brown 21 minutes where he's got the seven extra minutes to collect just a garbage assist out there um so yeah that's what's scary but anyways while he's hot i mean nine points in five games gets me going um <laughs> do another- you got anything to mention on uh, matt zuccarello no, I just wish they put someone on that line who could shoot the puck. Because I For think, real. you know, obviously like Zuccarello has proven himself to be um, a really consistent playmaker over the years. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I've talked about Kaprasov uh, a lot already. I, I think he's just a, such a dynamic and exciting player to watch. So if you set someone up on that line, like a Fiala or someone who can just yeah. rip bombs, um, I'd have a lot more. Yeah, I'd have a lot more faith in their production. But yeah, I expect Zuccarello to kind of fall back around that. 60 point pace over the 82 games, you know, three out of maybe three points every four games, that sort of thing. Bottom um, of the roster stuff. Because, yeah, obviously what they're doing right now, you know, not sustainable. But if you expect Zuccarello to continue putting up two <laughs> points a game, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, Zuko McDavid, you haven't heard of him. Um, but <laughs> another quick, quick, quick mention because we talk about Arizona every single freaking week. But Phil Kessel, 33% owned, seven goals, seven assists on the season. He played 20 plus minutes the other night and 19 the game before that. Uh, three goals and three assists in his last four games, playing with um, my boy up the middle, who I decided to mention every single show, um, Christian Dvorak, and on PP2. If Phil can step up, a little bit more they start filling them in on that pp1 but it seems like they kind of go 50 50 on that team anyways um but yeah phil kessel 33 percent owned someone who i could definitely see now that he has kind of picked it up um you know staying hot for a little bit yeah i you know and, and finally after weeks of mentioning them that we finally started to see connor garland's uh ownership skyrocket he's up to 71 percent. but nick go. schmaltz has been uh <laughs> super effective he's still just 32 percent. clayton keller just 39 percent. that team is just loaded with with guys that need to be picked up anthony duclair still at 15 percent. so a lot of options still out there guys that we've no talked respect about in the desert um, no not at all but all right let's draw let's kind of start something a little bit new obviously we've we've talked about guys that are going to regress or, or guys that are going to uh you know positively regress to the mean in the past but uh today we're just going to kind of talk about uh and we'll start with the guys who are shooting um or, or above average right now uh so we're going to talk about expected goals uh and, and players who are scoring above their expected goals at an alarming rate uh right now so basically guys that you know they're you'd expect um you know, their, their totals to start to come back down a little bit. Uh, but obviously there are some uh, exceptions when you talk about guys who, who are, you know, elite shooters. Uh, they, they are always capable of um, scoring above their expected rate. Uh, so we're going to go through the list here of players who kind of fall into that category. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we're going to talk about players who are 
um, you know, fall far below, um, you know, their goals versus their expected goals and players that we could expect uh, to pick it up here, um, you know, in the near future. And, you know, you're going to be pretty surprised by a lot of the names on this list. There's some big names on this list that, that, you know, people have been, you know, I would imagine relatively disappointed with from a fantasy perspective mm-hmm. this year. Uh, but it does appear like there are brighter days ahead. Uh, but let's start uh, with a bit of a dark cloud in terms of the guys who, who are scoring, um, you know, a, a lot higher than what their um, expected goals might suggest. Um, and at the top of that list is Patrick Kane. Uh, I think we can all agree that what Patrick Kane has done this season uh, is nothing short of ex- uh, extraordinary, really. He, he's taken a team that looked like they were destined to finish dead last um, and really put them in, in contention. He's just been ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And his, his usage is just through the roof. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week about how, you know, there's the McDavid and the Barkoff um, and, and Matthews. We mentioned all them as potential MVP candidates, but I mean, you got at this point, Patrick Kane's got to be in there somewhere, right? Like no one means more to their team uh, by definition than Patrick Kane oh, right absolutely, now. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, he leads the league in, in goals above expected, but um, you know, he, he, he's obviously just kind of the, the only guy on that team that's really capable outside of uh, maybe Alice to brink at, uh, of getting it done on, on any given night. But I guess my question to you, MD, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, is this something that you think Patrick Kane can continue? Uh, but, you know, at 31 points in 21 games, is he somebody that you would potentially look to move? Uh no, I don't think so. I mean, you had to look, make sure you're getting fair value back for a guy like Patrick Kane, and there's not a lot of, you know, potential trades out there that uh, I think would really make him worth moving. Obviously, there's a handful of players that you feel a little bit better about their outlook from this point uh, onward. But, you know, to me, like Kane's numbers, it doesn't look like anything that's terribly unsustainable. Uh, I know this is based mostly off his numbers at 5v5. Uh, he's still shooting the puck a lot, right? He's got 74 shots in 21 games, uh, and he's not really converting that far above his career average. He's shooting 13.5%, uh, career average 12.2. Um, so I think, you know, the discrepancy there would probably be that, you know, he's probably underperforming on the power play a little bit. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you can maybe confirm that right now, Brock, because I know we were looking at the different, um, we were looking at it in different situations as well. Uh, but yeah, he's got just two goals on, on the power play. Um, which is a little bit kind of behind the mark for him at, you know, typically at this point in the season. So um, yeah, I don't see a whole lot here that would suggest Patrick Kane is going to, you know, slow down to, or his production is going to come to a halt anytime soon. I think he's still going to be comfortably above a point per game from here on out. Um, You know, like Beef's talked about, he's one of those guys that just plays, uh, you know, a ton of minutes. He's over um, 22 minutes a night on average this season. It's you know not uncommon to see him break the 25 plateau in a game. So um, yeah, he's going to be playing a ton. Everything runs through him. He's going to be throwing a ton of pucks towards the net. And uh, yeah, like like I said, you got to make sure you're getting fair value for a guy like Patrick Kane. Uh, and I just don't think, at least in redraft leagues, there's a lot of trades that would make sense to move someone of uh, his caliber. Yeah. yeah so be, sorry, Beebs. Just uh, so just to go back to what you said there, D. Uh, basically, scoring right around what they you know is expected goals would be on the power play. Uh, but 
the you know I, I think the one reason why you know you see Patrick Kane topping this list is is you can just go back to just a couple nights ago and he comes in and does a little three sixty and fires a backhand top cheddar like and it's a goal that like only a handful of players in the entire world can can score and in terms of the expected goals models I'm sure that that graded out as a very very low on the scale and, and he's kind of just one of the rare players that can actually score in a situation like that yeah, for sure not- and. Yeah, sorry, because I was just going to say, like, that's the type of release that would obviously fool a goaltender, and it's not going to show up on something like a shot chart that is really just predicts expected goal value, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, am I good? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, just we're not seeing any forward come near 24 minutes. I this guy's doing it nightly. Um, also, right wing eligibility. We've talked about it. We always talk about it in our pre shows is when we, when we bring up his Kutrov almost as valuable as McDavid, just because the right wing slot is so not as strong as center left wing and you know you're just not going to get the value in your trade if you are looking to trade patrick kane um you know people are going to be offering you centers and uh you know stuff that you don't want so so i'm saying hang hang heavy strong on patty game yeah I i think the only situation where you would even consider moving him at this point would be like if you if you were like dead at goalie or something yeah. and you needed to, you needed to make a, a seismic shift in your roster to pick up a goalie and, a, and, and someone's a offering you or, Mike or, Smith. No, I'm <laughs> but like just a seismic, it would have to be a huge return. Uh, okay. So a couple of these other names we're not really going to talk about. Austin Matthews, obviously just an elite, uh, an elite talent an elite shooter in this league. So it's not really somebody that you would be surprised to see uh, rank so highly. Um, so, we're not going to talk too much about him. We talked about him a ton last week. Uh, the other guy, though, uh, Maxime Comtois. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, he, he he's, uh, he's a surprise on this list, but still not really anybody that's on uh, on your fantasy radar at this point regardless. But one very interesting name to me um, is Logan Couture. Uh, he's got, uh, you know, what is it? It's 10 goals in 17 games this season, yeah. uh, but shooting 20.8% on a shooting percentage hovering around 12 uh, to me, this guy looks like somebody in deep or Biebs, you kind of just alluded to it about how deep center is. So moving him could be difficult, but I would assume that he's your third center on a lot of these fantasy teams. Yeah. People um, weren't and, drafting him as their top center. That's no. And, and if you've got, if you've got a team that maybe just, uh, you know, that just lost a Jack Eichel for, you know, might only be a game, but uh, you know, maybe Couture is somebody that, that you should consider moving because this kind of looks like a, you know, it's not going to get any better than what it's been thus far. 81% owned too across all Yahoo leagues Couture is so it might be a little tough too since he's not one of those you know 100% guys or top 90 guys because they are usually what people are looking at but um but yeah I, I would absolutely say sell high on on Logan Couture here I I don't expect the Sharks they're not playing great and I don't I expect it to kind of get worse but yeah, and I think he's a big name too right I think you know for the more casual fantasy hockey player. Um, He's got that name value, like I said, that um, might disguise the production a little bit more. Um, yeah, because obviously, you know, he's not someone who's quite at the level that maybe they were at one point, 31 years old, doesn't have the same supporting cast around him that he had for years in San Jose. Um, so, yeah, I would say his expected production, not quite as high as it used to be, or maybe even his name uh, would suggest at this point in his career, especially with the start that he's had. So, yeah, agree. Uh, just under him would be Josh Anderson, who's somebody that we've been pretty high on on this show uh, since he was traded to uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you know, realistically, uh, at just 74% owned, uh, he, you know, he, he's shooting 18%. It's a little bit high compared to his career numbers. Uh, you know, 
he plays on one of the best lines in hockey. So to me, basically, like I don't think he's going to carry a, a, a ton of trade value, anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, the only the only league where you might consider trading him, but he's so much more valuable in it anyway. So you would probably want to keep him as a hits league. Uh, so like he just doesn't quite carry the name value as some of the, some of these other guys uh, might. But Josh Anderson obviously having a really good season, but it is uh, a little bit alarming to see him, uh, you know, well above average at least in terms of five v five. Uh, moving down the list a little bit here, we've got Nicholas Backstrom, who's somebody that we talked about last week. Uh, we're not going to, we don't know, need to discuss him too much further. We, we basically said last week that, you know, he's not going to continue to score goals at this clip. Uh, just not something he's really ever done at any point in his career. Through 19 games, he's nearly uh, replicated last year's goal total of 12. So uh, shooting 22%, Backstrom, obviously somebody that's due to regress here. Um, scored last night, of course. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and then Jordan Cairo comes in next. Uh, so Jordan Cairo was somebody obviously that we recommended a- as a pickup a few weeks ago, um, you know, actually like a month ago toward closer to the start of the season. Um, and then if anybody, you know, watches the YouTube show, th- this line has not been the same since uh, J- Jaden Schwartz got hurt. Their, their numbers have completely um, cratered. And then adding even somebody like Mike Hoffman to that line has not helped at all. So I think that's why we see a little bit uh, of regression here from Jordan Cairo. And, you know, based on the numbers, it looks like even more is coming. Um, and then realistically, just a move from Braden Shen line getting replaced by uh, Vladimir Tarasenko and going to the, the Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly line, to me, doesn't do much because that Ryan O'Reilly line just, they play such a, you know, a, a defensive uh, posture, such a defensive role that it just kind of is going to limit Jordan Cairo. So he's kind of just somebody at this point in time that, um, I'm probably dropping it. You know, he's 48% owned. Uh, there's, there's some, like, I would much rather have Tim Stutzel in, in my roster right now uh, than Jordan Cairo. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've, I've kind of been a Cairo hater all year. I just, I, I don't want to be a Cairo hater, but it's just, uh, it, it's looked, you know, the downward trends look this way um, for a couple games now. Um, and, and this just shows it right here. It, it's bound to happen. You'll miss the shooting percentage up all that. Um, yeah. So I'm saying, you know, Cairo, if you can, if you can move him, if you're in a keeper league, though, I mean, hang on to this guy. He's definitely got some long-term potential, but we're not talking keepers. Yeah, for for keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, I think he's fine. But outside of that, yeah, he, you know, he's really uh, went quiet, and it looks like it, it, it's going to get worse uh, before it gets better for him. And you know, the 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 return of of Tarasenko, the potential return here of Jaden Schwartz soon could bump him back, you know, out of that top six entirely at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, just five points in his last ten games after a really hot start. Too many Any, good players around him. Yeah. Anything to add there on uh, Jordan Cairo? G? Uh, no, I'm honestly not a huge fan, so <laughs> I would expect his numbers to kind of tail off a little bit. I think he's a good player, but um, I, I think he would need to really, you know, have some serious play drivers around him to. Yeah, if we're talking fantasy, fantasy value. Asset. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, next on the list, another Montreal Canadian. We've got Tyler Toffoli. Uh, he actually leads the the Canadians in terms of expected uh, goals scored above expected in all situations. Uh, obviously, more of a focal point uh, on that power play than Josh Anderson, top power play unit guy. Uh, but Toffoli's always been a guy that uh, you know ha- has just kind of been scratching the surface of kind of what we expected him to be to be able to do uh, outside of one thirty goal a year in twenty sixteen. Um, has never really been surrounded by a- enough talent to really break out and this is an opportunity for him where he has broken out, but they just kind of seem reluctant to, to let him loose to me. Like he's kind of just been like, Hey, let's put him with yes, Barry Cockney Emmy and try to go three lines deep. 
Um, <laughs> he did run. He did run with Phil Deneau there for a while, but that's still like it is what it is. You know, it would just be it would be so different to me. I would feel so different about Toffoli if we saw him with Nick Suzuki uh, as opposed to Phil Deneau or yes, Barry Cockney MED. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I was going to say the same thing earlier about Josh Anderson, right? And it's kind of interesting because I, I think, I know we're talking about Toffoli, but Anderson had only um, topped 17 or it was 16 minutes. He only topped 16 minutes twice in like their first 15 or 20 games, whatever it was. Uh, and then the last four games, he's been over that mark every game. They're finally starting to give him more ice time uh, and he goes cold, right? Like he hasn't scored in five games now. So uh, it's a little bit unfortunate for Anderson because we've been calling for it all season. And yeah, I, I in the same boat with Defoli, I think they're both great talents. Uh, you know, I, I've probably said it three or four times this year now, but I really do think that that's the next step for the Canadians. And um, if they really do want to push on, I, I think they need to put more re- responsibility on Nick Suzuki's shoulders. And like you say, kind of let them loose. And I think Defoli and Anderson would be um, kind of the perfect partners for that. They're, they're both really strong play drivers at 5v5. They're good at retaining possession is, uh, you know, so... I, as good as they are retrieving it. So I, yeah, I, I think that would make a lot of sense. I would love to have Toffoli on my team right now because obviously he's been really productive in a, you know, a limited role as is. So um, to me, yes, he's obviously overproduced a little bit in that role, but uh, a lot of room for him to grow still in terms of his ice time and everything like that. So I, I do like Toffoli a lot this year. Beebs, just before you, you interject here, I, the one thing I was disappointed was, you know, you, they, they fire Claude Julien and then you get this new coaching staff in and you'd expect him to maybe come in and put his own stamp on the lineup. And all he does is is, is just put Tatar back with Deneau and, and fully <laughs> back with uh, yeah. Cockney Emmy. The only thing he did was scratch Jake Evans. And to me, you know, the issue with Anderson to fully – in their in this lineup because obviously they love to know and they love what he brings but they were also using that jake evans line in a in in a shutdown role a lot like in 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 addition with to know the to line and evans line would go against the matthews and the mcdavid's of the world and when you're doing that that, that's putting a lot of ice time on on jake evans and that's taking away ice time from your nick suzuki and your your yes barry cockney emmy lines and to me, like, it's just the way that that lineup is and the, and the players that they have, it, 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 to me, it's just like you need to load up that Suzuki line. You know, you put Drouin with, with Cockney Emmy, and then you build the best shutdown line that you've got with Deneau and, and let them shut down and let Suzuki and that top line eat. And they just refuse to do it. And to me, it, baff- it, it just baffles me. Yeah, really not much more I can add to that. Um, you know, would love to see more ice time for Toffoli. It's crazy he's getting this many shots with what he's doing. 61 shots in 19 games. That's over three per game. Something we saw him do last year in Vancouver. He put up a point per game. I mean, let the man eat. Also, another thing, he's only 28 years old. When I was looking at him, I'm like, Toffoli's got to be like 32 by now. Um, 28 years old with nine years in the league. That's crazy. But, yeah, Toffoli, let him shoot more. Those 12 goals, five assists across 20 games. Um, you know, this is uh, if you have him, too, you likely got him off the waiver wire or a late, late, late draft pick this year. So you don't necessarily have to move him or um, have to look to move him by any means. Just kind of let it let it ride. And, you know, with that power play production, it's like having Victor Olofsson. He's just going to score a lot on the power play. So you're going to hope that that 5v5 turns around and gets that ice time. Yeah, yeah, I would say we could probably give Ducharme a little bit more time too, right? Like he probably had a morning skate with them, and that was yeah. it before that game, right? With how weird I not want to shake season. it up too much. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly, right. So that was my thought when I saw that lineup: is that uh, new coach, first game in charge, he just wants to give them something familiar to play with, right? Put Tatar back with the Noah Gallagher, that sort of thing, uh, and not uncommon at all when a coach comes in in the middle of the season. So I, 
you know, especially with how everything is this season, I would expect maybe that integration to take even a little bit longer than usual. Um, so I'm, I'm still hopeful that, uh, you know, Suzuki, um, Anderson to fully all get given uh, a little bit more of an opportunity here. Yeah. To build off that a little bit, you know, at least at this point, I think that this opens the door for what I just said to become a possibility because it, it really didn't look like Claude Julian was going to do that. So maybe it does become possible here down the road. Um, all right, one other guy, and just to let you guys know, uh, all this data that, that we're using on today's show uh, in terms of goals, expected goals for um, goals and, and goals above expected can be uh, found at moneypuck.com. Super uh, handy resource. What else is super cool about it is they have a an expected goals for that also takes in the shooter's talent level uh, and, <laughs> and gives you, and gives you a, a goal score above shooting talent. So basically guys like Matthews, their expected goals for four will be much higher than, than uh, somebody like Maxine Comtois. So uh, just one other name that really jumps off this page that I want to talk to you guys about is Cam Atkinson. Obviously uh, he has been on just an absolute heater here in the last week or so. And uh, so far now he's got eight goals, eight assists, 16 points in 21 games. He's shooting 14.3%, which is slightly above uh, his career average, 10.8 on ice shooting percentage. Uh, and still no goals on the power play. So what are you guys, what are your thoughts about Cam Atkinson right now? Is he somebody that, you know, you're finally getting what you mo- kind of expected out of him if you drafted him? Um, or is he still somebody that you potentially are looking to move with 12 points in his last 10 games, Beeps? Uh, I've never been huge on Cam Atkinson, but I also don't know if you're going to get a ton for him right now. Um, so I'd almost say let it ride just because those 10 games are kind of the 10 games since um, Rosovich and line a have kind of made it into that lineup. So that's where I say, let it ride for now, just because I don't think you will get enough. I think there's a lot of people like me, like I wouldn't give someone a ton for Atkinson right now. Um, shot production is up there really like that. Um, and like the 20 minutes of ice the other night, but uh, I mean, he's the, he's the number ninth ranked right winger right now in one of my Yahoo leagues. So it's just or not number ninth ranked player, not even right winger player in one of my leagues. So that's just absolutely crazy. So if you can, you know, if someone's really, if someone's willing to trade someone who's incredibly underperforming, um, who we might mention in another sell high buy low episode, um, then yes. But for now I'm saying you just kind of hang on to cam and, and, uh, enjoy kind of what you got it's a lot like to Foley where you you probably got this guy late in the draft or off the wire so um yeah I'm, I'm i'm liking i'm liking this new columbus lineup it seems there's some pieces that are working out there i know d owns him in one of my leagues so uh i, I i'd like to i'd like to hear how he feels about him just so that i can kind of get a scouting um take <laughs> yeah on i him. i, I, I do like atkinson um i i think he's a really reliable goal scorer right um we saw that he had a stretch from 2014 to 2019 um, five seasons in a row, over 200 shots at a shooting percentage of over 10%, right? So um, the problem with him has always been that the assists are never really there, right? Uh, he's only top 30 assists once in his career. Um, so he needs the goals to be there. Obviously, they weren't at the start of the year, and then he's been red hot the last week. Um, so, I, you know, that's kind of what you get with him. Like I said, I said he's consistent, but it usually just turns out to be consistent uh, when looked at over a full 82 yeah, games. Yeah, it's like There's hot, a lot hot and cold stretches. That yeah, yeah, it's a lot of hot and cold in there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you just ride him out. Um, you know, I obviously really like the what the additions have done to that lineup in terms of his output. I think, you know, we can expect him definitely to get on the scoreboard sooner or later on the power play. Um, he's been pretty productive there in years past, obviously. 
Um, so yeah, I think, you know, he's providing nice value at this point, overachieving a little bit, but I'd still expect, you know, a goal every three games for him, somewhere between a 25 to 30 goal pace over a full 82. Yeah, I guess the only concern I would have about maybe the potential power play production is basically he, he it went from him being the shooter on, on that unit to now it's Patrick Line. So maybe uh, the yeah, opportunities I mean, will be a, a little bit less. Uh, the one thing that's really weird to me. should adjust though, right? And start doubling up on Line like they did in Winnipeg and, and, and should have more opportunities on the other side. So The one thing that's really weird to me, and I know like I probably talk about line combinations more than I should or more than probably any human on earth. Uh, but like you got Patrick Line, Roslovich and, and Atkinson basically just, just cruising along there and then they break them up. And uh, to me, it's a little bit bizarre, but uh, at least Roslovich and Atkinson uh, have remained together because that duo has been really solid, even just kind of going back the couple games before uh, Line made his debut. So uh, you love to see that pair together. And I hope that they continue to at least just play those two together. And then maybe Line gets back there in the future. Um, but all right, let's go to the uh, opposite end of the spectrum here in terms of the um, goals scored below average. And there is some extremely interesting names on this list and, and guys that, you know, if this turns are just sensational by low candidates at, at this point, um, I'm going to read the entire list here, or at least the top five, and we'll kind of just discuss our favorites among this list. Uh, so at the very bottom and just a reminder this is at 5v5 at the very bottom of that list is taylor hall uh, 3.7 goals below expected second is victor arvidson third is jeff healthy scratch skinner Mm -hmm. then you've got ricard raquel john tavares william nylander so Let's start in Buffalo because we there do are a few talk- names too, by the way, that, that do slide in between there. Um, but they're just really not notable people or people who haven't played a significant amount of games for us to mention. I will say that. Um, yeah. Like, so just, just to kind of build off what you just said there uh, among that would be uh, Andrew Cobb, um, Brock Nelson, uh, whoops, uh, Brock Nelson, Adam Gaudet, Josh Levo. So just guys that you wouldn't really consider yeah. uh, it, regardless. So, Let's start in Buffalo. So obviously the Skinner situation is, is basically untenable at this point. Lovely. It's a nightmare. And, um, you know, he, even when he's in the lineup, he's playing on the fourth line. So who cares about Jeff Skinner, but this whole Taylor Hall thing, like it's just, it's not working. Like, and it's crazy, but obviously, you know, he's hit some posts. He he's, uh, you know, he, he's fallen on some tough luck, but this is somebody that was, you know, maybe a, a top two or three round pick in fantasy drafts. And, he, you know what happens to a lot of players is they go to Buffalo and then, and then they fall apart. This yeah, team we just apologize can't get... if you made a Hall Eichel stack this year because it's not doing good. No, but uh, D, we'll start with you here. Obviously, he's only shooting two point one percent. The on a shooting percentage is five point six percent. Is he among the best buy low candidates? Because this has got to turn, right? It's gotta. I mean. The, it's got to be better than it has been, obviously. The one thing that concerns me a little bit is the shot volume. Uh, 48 shots in 17 games. Not a terrible return by any means. So, you know, right around two and a half per game. Um, but this is a guy, Taylor Hall, who's kind of always relied on his volume to, to put up numbers in, in terms of goals scored. Um, you know, especially kind of through the prime and elite year, aside from his heart trophy years, all, all of his years in New Jersey, he was sub 10% in terms of his shooting percentage. is 102 uh, career shooting percentage um, but he was you know since basically since he went to New Jersey he was you know averaging over four shots a game so 
Um, that's kind of been his bread and butter is that he's just, you know, incredibly adept at creating um, chances for himself and um, hasn't always needed, you know, uh, I guess top tier line mates uh, alongside him. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe they just haven't meshed, but maybe he's defaulting to Eichel, you know, definitely a, one of the uh, first guys that comes to mind when you think of a shoot first center in the league these days, right. Would be Jack Eichel. Um, yeah. And different than what we've really seen Hall play with in the past when he's been at his best, he's kind of always played with more of a, of a facilitator down the middle of the ice. So I, I don't know if that's it. Um, but either way, like I said, that it's really concerning. That's a pretty big drop, right? We're talking about a shot and a half per game. Um, it's looked a little bit better of late, uh, but still, um, you know, that's a pretty big concern. We're talking about a guy that needs to shoot more and do it more efficiently as well. Um, that's a lot to figure out. And what we got 40 games left now in the season. So I don't know. It doesn't look great in Buffalo. I don't think I'd be dying to get Taylor Hall on my team, but if the price is right, certainly it's a guy you got to look at. Um, like you say, buying low on, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely still some red flags there. Yeah. We, I mean, I don't, I don't want to add much more on in what we said last week as well. Cause we kind of got in the hall there. Um, you know, it's only going to get better. So to me though, the one thing that's extremely interesting is, um, how well that Hall, Eric Stahl, Dylan Cousins line has played. Uh, in terms of expected goals, four per 60 at 5v5, they're the tops on the entire Buffalo Sabres roster right now. So, you know, even away from from Taylor or from Jack Eichel, um, he's starting to get things going at 5v5. And uh, maybe by playing with, with Eric Stahl and Dylan Cousins, like you kind of mentioned, D, that could open up some more opportunities for him to be the focal point of that line and become more of a shooter uh, and, and start to raise that shot volume back up. So, you know, the other good thing for Taylor Hall is Buffalo really does have one of the best power plays in the entire NHL. And he's obviously going to be on that top unit for the entirety of the season. So uh, to me, I, I think that nobody – is probably more frustrated right now than a, than a Taylor Hall fantasy owner. Uh, there's very few players that probably are bugging people quite as much as Taylor Hall right now. So uh, I, I think that this is, you know, probably my favorite by low candidate in the entire league right now. Um, we're going to talk about a few more, but he, he looks just, you know, prime uh, for the pickings right now. Um, and then Jeff Skinner, obviously, like even when he's in the lineup, he's just buried. So, we're not going to talk about Jeff Skinner nope. at this point. He's just not even worthy of being owned, even though I think he's still a pretty good hockey player. But Ralph Kruger does not give a shit about this guy. He no. fucking hates him. Did <laughs> he you hates him. The Skinner quote that came out today, um, Skinner was just like, is something along the lines of how am I supposed to get better or learn anything if I'm not even playing? And I'm just like, geez, you're coming out to the media with that. Things are not going good in Buffalo. He actually was okay. Like he was pretty respectful, like for the most part, but yeah, like how do you not get pissed off? And then it's just like, oh, yeah. uh, like even when he's in the lineup, like, he's playing with Curtis Lazar and Riley Sheehan. Like, fuck, what are you supposed to do? You're playing 11 minutes a night with Curtis Lazar and Riley Sheehan. And they're like, he's not scoring for $9 million a year. Well, no fucking kidding. Connor McDavid would have a hard time. I wish reporters actually had the gall to ask him that. Like, do you think the fact that you've been playing with Curtis Lazar, Curtis Lazar and Ravi Sheehan has affected your production at all this season? And yeah. just put the mic to him. He'd be like, uh, uh, you know, I love Curtis and I love Riley, but like, yeah, great you know, I'd rather God. be playing with Jack. Yeah, right. <laughs> of course he would. They're playing 18 minutes with Jack. The crazy thing to me is like, it's like <laughs> they, they, they just bury Jack or, or Jeff Skinner for his lack of 5v5 production and his 
lack of defensive responsibility, but then Victor Olofsson, who is not known for his defensive responsibility and can't score at 5v5 to save his life, just gets to play next to Jack all year long. It's like, yeah. the fuck's but going they're on boys, here? But they're boys. They make no sense. They're boys. Is, <laughs> I, oh, I've been reading too many Mike Harrington tweets. I mean, this has been building up here for a little while. <laughs> Brock's fucking... main steamer of the week. I hate Dude, I just sent you a trade offer. Did you see it? Yeah, I already rejected it. Did you see it? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? The got, Cam Atkins in for Taylor Hall. <laughs> Perfect opportunity. Straight up. I was like, let me just see who's got Hall on let me Dude, got if I accepted that, I'd okay, have to oh, be yeah. like, we got a one for one to announce. <laughs> <laughs> the trade is one for one. <laughs> the trade is one for one. I just oh. saw you cheesing like crazy D, and I'm like, something's going on. But that, that's hilarious. <laughs> but all right, let's continue to move down this list. Uh, Victor Arvinson, uh, obviously somebody who's kind of just always hovers right around the uh, – the tail end. The, the t- <laughs> Jesus. I'm hovers sorry. Around, I had him in two leagues. I hate him right now. Hovers around the tail end of your roster, uh, but always a guy that, you know, for a while there was extremely consistent, you know, basically uh, 30-30 for two years, 34 goals in 58 games in 2019. Uh, the wheels kind of fell off last year, but uh, this year he he really is just snake bitten. Uh, I You know, Nashville struggling as a whole, but Two goals on 65 shots. He's shooting 3.1% on a shooting just uh, on a shooting percentage just 6.3%. So, uh, D, is this like somebody that you're even considering maybe you know trading a bottom of your roster player for and just hoping it does get better? No, no. To be honest with you, just because I like I don't know if um, we can really expect him to get back to his peak production because. Um, the supporting cast and that line that he was playing so effective um, with over those few years was Forsberg. I think it was Johansson mostly, right, Brock? That um, when they were really kind of all uh, popping at their best. Yeah, n- none of them really seemed to be, you know, at the same level as they were a few years ago. So I don't know if I would expect Arvidsson to kind of return around a 30-30 pace. I think, you know, best case is maybe a little bit less than that. Obviously, um, it's hard to shake, you know, that injury shortened season he had a couple of years ago when he scored 34 in just 58 games. Um, so, you know, the upside is still there for sure. Uh, but I wouldn't move any sort of meaningful, I guess, trade capital at this point uh, for Arvidsson. I, you know, put a claim in on the wire for sure. Um, but that's about as far as I'd go. Yeah. I dropped him in both those leagues. I was talking about claimed. I hated him about two minutes ago. So I think we can guess how I feel about Arvidsson. Um, you hate him. I hate him. I don't. So, <laughs> hate just hates a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like him. To me, uh, just forty-two. I play my tees. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> At just forty-two percent owned, I think that he's he is worth the claim or the pickup if he's available in your league, because uh, the shot volume is definitely there. Uh, the, the the predators seem to maybe be starting to to turn a corner a little bit here, uh, and, and you know Johansson's back. Uh, he's obviously not playing on that line yet, but Forsberg's been pretty hot to start this year too. So. Um, I think at 42% that this is definitely worthy of a claim if he's available in your league. Um, and then moving on, somebody who's almost the exact same player, exact same type of production throughout um, basically their entire careers is Ricard Raquel. Uh, Raquel just 20 set or 20% owned, so not somebody that you're really going to be trading, but also somebody uh, that does look worthy of a pickup at this point just because the you know the numbers aren't quite where you'd expect them to be. Uh, somebody who who... You know, honestly, like him and 
him and Arvidsson couldn't be more similar. Uh, 61 shots on the season, one goal to show for it. That is just 1.6% shooting percentage. <laughs> well, how far is he down, though, in all situations? It, like, in all his, si- yeah, how far below expected is he? The, by far the lowest in the entire NHL. 5.4 goals below expected. Um, okay. 4.2 is second at uh, Taylor Hall. 3.6 right. is Victor Arvidsson. So, so I just want to cap. Getting- I just want to cap the excitement or the expectations here because that means like he should have six goals in 20 games, right? Which is, it's not great. You know, it's better, but it's <laughs> when you're talking about a guy who's only going to pick up, you know, 20, 25 assists. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying that like he, but I got 20%, you know, obviously again, yeah. you know, I think, I think I, Tim Stutzel still probably. Yeah, I love Raquel, but obviously, you know, he's, he's burned a lot not, of us. Yeah, he's not a one of the most more dynamic players, or sorry, wingers in the league who's going to drive a line on his own. He needs an effective um, two-way center to do that, and he doesn't really seem to have that in Anaheim. So uh, I think the supporting cast is always just kind of going to limit his upside there right now. The one the one thing that I I will put on Raquel's name here is, we talked about him a little bit earlier, is Trevor Zegers being there now should absolutely – help that top power play unit. He, he really seems to have this knack for finding passing lane and zipping the puck through. And on the other side of the ice is Ricard Raquel. So if Zegris, you know, continues to find him, we could see the power play production rise a little bit. You know, obviously that's a lot that needs to happen in order for him to uh, really start to find it. But he, I, I think that there is room for some growth here for a guy that, you know, had back-to-back 30 goal seasons um, you know, obviously on better hockey teams. Uh, to continue to go down this list, though, we've got John Tavares and Willie Nylander. Uh, ooh, he's had a nice oh, wow. voice crack there. Uh, <laughs> no time, been, dude, I've been doing uh, – I've been doing – I've been talking for like – it feels like four straight hours here. I did the live video. Now I'm on here. It's it's a lot. The beer is not, uh, the beer's not coating the, the vocal cords like I'd expect. <laughs> like you needed. No. Oh, but uh, all right, John Tavares, Willie Nylander. Syrup in there. D, we'll start with you, obviously, as our resident Maple Leafs fan. Um, you know, ridiculously good starts to the season for both of these guys, uh, specifically Tavares, but uh, they've really gone ice cold as of late. Uh, Willie, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason, just seems to be like the most hated guy in Toronto sports history, uh, even though he's pretty good. At 5v5, though, they're just not getting it done right now. Do you, you know, as a guy who watches this team every night, is there room for growth here, or is it kind of just – where they're going to be. No, I think it could definitely be a little bit better. Right. I think like concerning the ice time that they still get, um, you know, sure. There's the odd game where, um, you know, they're, they're can play, you know, sub 15 minutes, but more often than not, they're pretty close to Matthews and Marner, not playing quite the same or not seeing quite the same usage at five V five. I think maybe, you know, the inconsistency with the power play um, units in Toronto has hurt their production. Obviously, hasn't hurt the power play production at all. So, um, but yeah, they, they haven't been, you know, they have in some games and a, a lot of times they've been going for a more balanced approach, though. Haven't been loading up the top power play unit um, like they have been in years past, which I think really helps um, not inflate, but I guess um, prop up Tavares' totals in particular. Um, so the fact that, you know, he's not, they have maybe, especially when everyone's healthy, you know, two or three more legitimate net front options uh, on the power play, uh, I, which allows them to balance the units a little bit more, I think has hurt their production more than anything um, to where in the past, where if they had a slight dip or a cold streak like this at 5v5, like I said, the power play production would maybe mask it. Um, but yeah, the fact that that's not consistent this year is maybe why it's kind of 
um, rearing its head a little bit more right now. But I mean, we're still talking, you know, in Tavares' case, a guy that's got 17 points in 21 games. So uh, if that's the downside to his game, then you obviously don't have too much to be worried about. Um, but maybe he just won't be pushing a 50 goal pace like he was a couple of years ago. Yeah, really nothing more I could add to that. I mean, he's a certified Leaf boy for a reason. Yeah, and in practice, obviously Matthew's missing uh, from practice today, but in practice today it was uh, Riley, Nylander, Tavares, Marner, and Joe Thornton on the top power play unit. Uh, and, and it's interesting because I was watching them play the Flames there the other night and uh, just really struggling to get anything going. I think they're 0 for their last 11 on the power play. And I was just sitting there thinking like, well, like, I mean, yeah, you've got Jimmy VC and Travis Boyd out here <laughs> with, with, with Tavares or with uh, Matthews and Martin. I'm like, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't you be better served to just stack that, that top power play unit and put them out there for two full minutes yeah. uh, at that point? Like, it just was weird to me. Like they kept trotting that unit out there. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you've got John Tavares sitting on the bench and he's going to play what? 45 seconds on this power yeah. play. And that's it what I say. Doesn't... It looks a lot, it looks a lot better when you have the likes of Simmons, Thornton, and even Spezza to kind of fill out the units as opposed to, to VC and Boyd. Right. For sure. Uh, all right. Moving down this list, a couple of very interesting names here. Uh, we've got Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, Roman Yossi, Andre Svechnikov. So all those guys hovering right around two goals below expected, um, I saw an interesting tweet the other uh, this morning. I believe it was that uh, both Alexander Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby are outside of the top forty in points. Is that right? I, it, I think it makes sense because right? Crosby's got sixteen and eighteen. Yeah, uh, so Crosby's tied. So Crosby's tied for forty fifth, and Ovechkin's yeah. tied for forty fifth. Both uh, of them aren't terribly high in games played either, though. Yeah, because Ovechkin had those. COVID Ovechkin, wait, well, yeah, Ovechkin's at 15. He's above a point per game. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, uh, like, that's hard just, to say. It is, it, it is. I, and again, it wasn't the most reliable source. So, like, I didn't look too much into it, but I was just like, Fuck your this, source. Is, this is bizarre. Like, it was something you'd never expect to really see. But, anyways, uh, so Sidney Crosby, six goals, 16 points, and 18 games. Obviously, uh, not quite the production that you would, you know, come to expect out of Sidney Crosby. I think that obviously, you know, the fact that he's a couple goals below. Um, expected in the fact that they just really haven't played very many high scoring games this year, right? Like you haven't seen that blow up game uh, from Sidney Crosby outside of, I think maybe one three point game all season long. So, um, you know, obviously it's not quite the, uh, the, the North division where there's seemingly 10 goals uh, a game out, out East, just not quite the same. So yeah, he's got one three point game outside of that, only four double digit point outings so far this season. Uh, obviously we're talking this kind of from like a buy low sell high standpoint. Do you think anybody would trade Sidney Crosby at this point? Yeah, I think people would, which is crazy. Um, I, I would say don't do it, but I think people are getting to that point where they're like, Oh, he's, you know, he's reaching that age. Um, there's, there's more value out there. Um, there are a lot of doubters and I I've actually seen it in, uh, in a couple of my leagues. I've seen his name being tossed around in deals. And, uh, and, you know, one thing to not do with Sidney Crosby is sell when he's low. So don't sell low on Crosby. Um, he does, he, he always, like, not always, but he goes through slumps. There go, and we'll, if we're calling 16 points in 18 games a slump, then he goes through drier patches. Um, but he always ends up coming around in the end. And, and this is Sidney Crosby, a top three NHLer we're talking about here. I don't think you should move him. But if people are looking and talking about it, you know, definitely take a stab at him right now. 
yeah. try to mention it, people drop those. Yeah, he's old. He's uh, he's not the same player he was. Like send that, send that when you're sending your deals. But yeah, definitely get your hands on him. Yeah, I would I would agree, Beebs, that um, it's almost kind of what you would expect when the puck's not bouncing Sid's way for his floor to still be right around a point per game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I totally agree that I think not just for casual fantasy hockey players, but I think the, kind of the natural. Uh, inclination when you kind of see someone like him start to tail off in their production, it's just so natural to tie it to the decline and um, and assume, like I said, that it's a natural decline just because they're getting older. So uh, a lot of people um, might be open to the idea of moving him or at least a lot more open than they were in years past. Oh, yeah. um, but I would definitely expect him to get back to kind of his usual rates before too long. But I, I do also agree, Brock, that there's a lot of low event teams in that division um and mike sullivan has proven to be happy um or shown himself to be more than happy to play that um sort of game and you know from a coach's standpoint it's a lot easier to control um crosby is you know as he's gotten older just gotten better and better in his own end better and better at limiting scoring chances and shots against um so yeah like i said they're more than happy to play that kind of low event game as well so that might not change as much over the course of the season but i still think he's been a little bit unfortunate and his production should bounce back um to closer to what we're used to seeing out of them. Yeah, right now the Penguins uh, giving up the seventh fewest uh, shots against um, in the NHL and at five v five, and uh, the eight tenth fewest uh, shots for. So playing some of the most low event hockey um, in the entire league right now. Uh, if you look at you know the, the teams that are, are limiting um, shots against, you know you've got the Bruins. Uh, you've got the Penguins, you, you've got the Islanders, you've got the Flyers, all kind of right in that boat. Uh, so it's like, it's just not quite the same, right? That the way the divisions are this year definitely changes things up. No yep. question about it. Um, okay, so you know, pretty stunned here. Nathan McKinnon being on this list uh, because he, he seems to be, um, you know, red hot still. So the fact <laughs> that he's below his expected goals for having scored. Uh, you know, obviously just four goals in 15 games, but he's still 18 points in, in that span. So um, the fact that he is at 18 points through 15 games, but with just four goals, obviously a bit surprising. He's only shooting uh, 6.7%. Like, is there a better player to own in fantasy hockey at this point? Like, obviously, you know, Matthews and, and, and McDavid are hot, but are we just scratching the surface? Beeps, you're a resident Avalanche fan. Like, is he just gonna? Is he just gonna go off, or is this another case of it just being that division? I mean, you know, I just talked about it. it, it also, in that division, in terms of uh, in terms of shots against, you've got the Avalanche, the 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 Golden Knights, the Blues, the Coyotes, and the Ducks. All of those teams are in the top ten in terms of least shots against per per, uh, per game. So, is it just a, you know a product of the low event nature of that division? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, a little bit of puck luck, a little bit of, of the division, and a little bit of the fact that the Avs have, which is the division, have really only played Minnesota and Vegas so far this year. Um, which <laughs> are, it, yeah, it, it, like people may think I'm actually over exaggerating, but no, go look at their schedule. Um, they've had five at each, which is just crazy. Um, so that means that brighter days are ahead. You have the Kings, you have the Ducks coming up. Those are games where I expect uh, McKinnon to just feast. And, uh, and and just from watching, just from the eye test, 
the bounces are just uh, quite ridiculous for Colorado right now. I don't know, Brock, if you caught any of that uh, Mark Andre Fleury shutout the other night on Monday. Um, Stood on his head. Literally, like the puck hit his knob of his stick three or four times. Um, two posts is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. He played amazing. I'm not taking anything away. Oh, from so he him, was but... actually standing on his head. Oh, he was literally a couple he, times. He was... I think he was physically standing on his head. Actually, <laughs> he made a couple saves on his head. Kadri's <laughs> missing, missing wide open nets. Anyways, um, that's the type of stuff that's kind of been like a microcosm of McKinnon scoring this year. Something I expect to swing. So, uh, that, I think that, I mean, it, it really shows, uh, what this guy's capable of. I think we're, we're just like you said, scratching the surface. I think he's, he's bound for more, but don't get me wrong. He's no Austin Matthews, 18 and 20 uh, goal scorer. But I mean, the points might be a little bit more there. So um, yeah, if you have them, um, you've probably been loving them and you're about to really, really love them. So uh, yeah. Enjoy. Three posts and crossbars so far this season for McKinnon too. So I mean, like casual, if you, I'm not saying they all go in, but say half of those go in. He's now at seven goals, 21 points in 15 games. So people aren't even chatting. Yeah. So that's a lot of posts and crossbars. Holy shit. Is it Elias Pedersen last year? Dude, Elias Pedersen leads the league. He's got eight posts and crossbars this year. <laughs> he just loves it. Uh, he probably just Jack does I- it because it sounds cool and it like looks sick. He's like, Jack he's Eichel for the style. Jack Eichel five. So uh, definitely, guys that have you know hopefully better days ahead, some better shooting luck. Um, all right, the other guys on this list we just mentioned: Jack Eichel, obviously uh, somebody who's struggling, but we'd expect to pick it up. Five posts, obviously something that we we'd expect to hopefully turn around here when he gets back. Uh, Andre Svechnikov, you know, a guy that we really liked. Uh, that line really, you know, has been sniffing it all season, just not really scoring. Uh, when he's been on a line with Sebastian Aho, uh, but Sveshnikov, we we kind of you know we tried to pump the brakes a little bit on him in the preseason. Uh, we had some situations where he was going uh, probably way too early, uh, so we tried to pump the brakes on a little bit. 16 points though, still in, in 19 games. The fact that he has seven goals and he's on this list is, is impressive. Uh, shooting 13.5 percent, obviously, uh, you know, sustainable for him. Career 12 percent shooter. But D, your favorite time here. Uh, a little bit of goaltender talk. There's a the goaltending market in fancy hockey right now is um, is bizarre. There's a lot going on. You've got some goalies that you drafted pretty high that that are, aren't doing anything. Some some fringe goalies that are playing well. So we're just going to try to go through the the, the free agency uh, goaltender market here and, and try to find the guys that we like uh, the most. Uh, you know, obviously somebody like Robin Lehner has missed the entire year. People are. Are, are starving for a goaltender most likely if they drafted Robin Lehner. So we're going to start in Florida. Florida has been one of the biggest surprises in the entire NHL this season, but what's probably more surprising is Chris Dreger. Uh, I, believe, I believe he is in the top five in the NHL right now in terms of save percentage. Uh, he's got seven wins, nine twenty-eight save percentage versus his teammate, Sergei Bobrovsky, six wins, eight ninety-seven save percentage. Uh, so obviously, you know, paying a goaltender $10 million a year isn't really working. Uh, but it's crazy to talk about, you know, Dreger and Bobrovsky at the exact same ownership. Uh, at this point, like Dreger's got to be the hottest goaltender pickup in the league, right? Like this team is good and they've really shown no, you know, reservations about going to him in consecutive games and three games in a row over Bobrovsky, regardless of the contract. Yeah, and I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, what is that tomorrow, right? The game against the Hurricanes. That'll be interesting because now that's two consecutive solid performances from Bob, right? Um, he had the 2 1 loss in Detroit where he stopped 25 of 27. 
Uh, and then that three, two win over the stars last night where uh, he stopped 37 of the 39 shots he faced. So that's going to be the most interesting game to see. Cause it's not a back to back either. They're going to have the 27th day off. Um, and then on the first, so I would expect Bob to get at least one of those two games. Right. Um, and if he continues to play well, they're paying him a lot of money. There's going to be pressure uh, on the coaching staff to go back to Bob. And why wouldn't she go back to him? Obviously he's got a much more stronger track record than Dreger. Um, even if Bob has struggled, the you know, the last what year or year and a half probably is um, fair to say. So um, yeah, I think, you know, you absolutely, if you can want to own both of these guys, cause there's so many ways this could turn out. Um, but you have to know that um, even if it's just to buff up his trade value a little bit to where his contract looks somewhat movable, that Florida's front office is going to be wanting Bobrovsky to get in there um, and, you know, at least play well and prove that there's some value left. Because at this point, it just looks like they're going to have to eat like four and a half million of that contract just to move them. Yeah, this um, is the Jeff Skinner of goalies right now. I yeah, because I mean, it, no one I, I mean, I think everyone kind of expected um, that this could end up this way when they penned him to that long of a deal. But um, happen a little bit sooner Not than maybe bad. we all expected. I, I think the one thing that's that's really interesting too, when you look at it, is the fact that you know you've got the the Seattle expansion draft coming up here, um, and I think that that still probably lends itself to that Bobrovsky is the long term option here, and Drieger is probably somebody that could end up in Seattle next year, and somebody well, that. At this, in the same token, you can probably look at it and say we don't have to protect Bob. They're probably not going to pick. I think they have to because he has a no. He has a no move. Yeah, no Ooh. movie. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so they probably Drieger, though, if anything, is, you think they would look to move him before it got to that point? Though. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I, don't think, I don't think I don't think anybody is gonna is gonna trade for that contract though. Like, no, not even no, just like Jeff. Like, not even they oh, would look to move Dreger before it got to the point of. Him going Potentially, yeah. He 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 is uh he's an unrestricted free agent uh at the end of this season, I believe. But the the Seattle has a you know first dibs at him basically. So um you know it, it is going to be interesting. But yeah, like Bobrovsky and Drieger are both guys that I, that I'd want to be owning just because they are probably going to split starts at this point. But at this point, um you know this is a team that just can't stop winning games. So mm-hmm. uh the fact that they're both at sixty five, I think that they should both probably be closer to seventy five. And they both have probably four to eight more games um, against Detroit and Chicago left, which is. (laughs) Um, All right. Vitek Vanasek, uh, 61% owned. He's really kind of taking the the ball and running with it in Washington. Uh, Sam Sonoff's return to the crease has really been uh, kind of a prolonged process here. It is kind of only a matter of time before he returns. And yeah, what's going I, I on think, here? That's more, I think, what people are asking. We had well, he had actual, he had, at, he had, he was, he tested positive for COVID nineteen, um, and, and uh, you know, obviously, that the, it's something that kind of hits everybody different. So I think that he was kind of affected by it a little bit more. Um, you know, they were in a situation where they didn't need to rush him back as Vanisek was playing pretty well, um, and, and they were in a kind of a unique position to where. Samsonov is able to go down to the AHL and get some games in, um, and able to, in order to shake off that rust, because realistically, it's not like he played very many games, uh, before he went on, on, you know, the COVID-19 reserve list. So, uh, he really just hasn't played hockey very much, you know, since the bubble. Um, so, I think that they were just kind of, it was a unique position where he could go down, he could get some starts. Vanacek was playing fine. They were comfortable with that. 
Um, I, I think, at, at, you know, once he returns to the team, it, it's going to be a situation where at this point it, it's looking like a 50-50 split. So uh, it, it's really unfortunate for Samsonov owners, but I think that Vanacek is still somebody that, that you can hold on to, but, you know, you're not going to ever get 13 consecutive starts in, uh, out of this guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I not much more to add there. I've been just kind of reaping his benefits as they come. Just, you know, just kind of ride Vanasek out for now as he can until, until it gets old. I think if you do have him, if you are an owner, but I wouldn't be banking on this guy all year whatsoever. So when are they expecting Samsonov back? Because I'm assuming it's not it's to play be. one of the back-to-back games yeah. this weekend, right? If they just yeah, sent him I'm, to Hershey today. What happened to Phoenix Copley? He's still around, but he's not like uh, no. They have like Craig Anderson now. I would ex- I would expect to see Samsonov probably this weekend. I, I think that they're I think he'll come up and uh, and probably start uh, one Sunday? of these. Two, one he, of so these then two he would. Games. Well then, well it can't be tomorrow if he just got sent down to Hershey tonight to play a game, right? No, and that's the thing, right? Like, so he'll probably uh, he'll probably come back up Sunday, I would imagine, um, and start Sunday. Like, I mean. It, it all depends, right? Like, I mean, are they, they could are they gonna go back to Craig Anderson? I would. Yeah, I, I don't I think you would. I I'd be surprised. I mean, I don't know. I don't think you send him to the AHL for some rehab if you plan on him playing Sunday afternoon. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. That'd be a lot on his body. But we'll see. I mean, I I could see it. He's already, you know, tonight will be his fourth start. I, I think the biggest concern is that he's gone to the AHL and he's gone one one and one with a three thirty three goals. But they just sent him back today. Like he was, oh, yeah, he I was on the he was on the taxi squad. He didn't practice, and then they yeah. sent him back to Hershey today. Right. So. I, I think the biggest concern is that he's got an eight fifty nine save percentage in three in three starts in Hershey. Not right. Good. So. Not um, I just don't, you know, unless they're planning on starting Vanacek, I don't think they're going to, you know, when you've got Samsonov, I don't think they're going to Craig Anderson on Sunday, but we'll see. Uh, Miko Koskin, 57% owned, really has kind of just uh, fallen by the wayside, it seems like, after being like, I don't know, what did he start, 12, 13 games in a row to start the season? <laughs> um, and then Mike Smith got got healthy, and he's been red hot. Mike Smith also uh, 57% yeah. owned. So both same own, own percentage. Uh, you know, obviously, if Mike Smith's available right now, he's the goaltender to own in, yeah. in in Edmonton. Yeah, we saw him get his second shutout of the year the other night against Vancouver. Good for Mike Smith. Um, again, not to reference Brock's tweets, but another hilarious one you had is 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 like when when are we going to see the Mike Smith uh, meltdown happen? We haven't seen it happen yet, but it is still bound to happen. They got three games against Toronto this weekend or on the twenty seventh, March first, and the third. So. Uh, this weekend and then Tuesday. So I could expect the meltdown and the numbers to take a bit of a hit this week. Um, but after that, he's got some nice matchups and games coming up. So uh, so stay strong with Mike Smith. Maybe don't play him this weekend um, as, you know, never play goalies against Toronto um, unless they're uh, apparently David Riddich who got a shout out there. Who was it who got the shout out the other night against Riddick? Him? Yeah, Riddick. So unless it's that, but yeah. So Mike Smith, I'd uh, I, I'd be weary this weekend, but um, the definitely you know he's going to drop down below fifty percent if he does get lit up this weekend. Uh, I, I he's the one to own there. Um, still, Costman probably take one of those hits too because it's back to back. Not probably he will. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got nothing. nothing. No, All I got right. nothing to add. I think they're both middle of the road. Yeah. Um, uh, Braden Holpe, Thatcher, Demko, uh you know, Braden Holpe, we've seen uh, a little bit better production out of him recently, uh, but they just really, they really don't seem to be leaning one way or the other. Both goaltenders uh, starting, you know, it doesn't even seem to matter if you have a good game. They basically just 
uh, rotate between the two of them. Uh, the biggest issue for me, um, highest expected goals against the entire NHL is Vancouver. Nobody gives up more scoring chances against uh, than Vancouver. So both of these goalies continue to remain risky, uh, second most high danger chances against. So, I mean, like, I don't really even have a preference between the two of them. I think that they're just given the team that's playing in front of them. Uh, they have improved marginally in recent weeks or in the, re- in the most recent week, but uh, I really don't have a preference between the two of them. I don't think I would really even want to own either of them, but um, maybe you guys, I know you liked uh, Demco at the nope. start of the season. Take, take it off my record. Take it off my record. <laughs> All right. And D, any preference between the two? No, I think to me, they're just spot start fodder and their ownership rates yeah, a little bit high. Play Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, when Ottawa plays in Vancouver, you start them because if they're playing in Ottawa, then Ottawa probably wins. Uh, yeah, I got to assume the handcuff is driving each of their own percentage up, right? Because I would expect them both to be a little bit lower. Um, their individual value, you know, to me doesn't suggest two goalies that should be around the 50% ownership rate. No. Uh, and then, okay, so another handcuffy situation. You've got Pekka at 34%. UC Soros at 43%. UC Soros has got to be one of the weirdest cases of a goaltender in NHL history. I mean, one of the most highly sought after goaltending prospects uh, a few years ago, really kind of just expected to to transition into uh, the starting role at some point. And And then they gave a 37-year-old Rene, like a what? another two years on a on a contract which again kind of spoke against that and then they've been force feeding games down Saros's throat this year but go on but then it's just crazy to me like you so 2017 he started 21 games 923 save percentage okay awesome he looks like the goaltender of the future next year 26 starts 925 save percentage okay this is the guy right like he's got to be everyone ever since then 915 914, 882 save percentage. Yeah. I mean, he's just been trending in the wrong direction. That team as a whole is trending in the wrong direction. That's and a then, scary team right now. And then they go any of it. Yeah. And then did they draft us a scar off <laughs> this year too? So like they obviously aren't even sold on sorrow to this point they drafted yaroslav askarov 11th overall uh to be their new goaltender of the future so uh to me at this point this team is just struggling uh you know overall that division is pretty solid outside of playing the red wings but uh you know after posting the shutout the other night rene uh struggled to to last night he gave up a hat trick to sam gagne uh, so <laughs> yeah, say that again say that again just... hat trick to sam gagne also uh, how does larkin not get one point in a five-point game brock what the hell is that about uh just keeps ripping posts as well he's up there also with Eichel. peak sam gagne is no joke okay i think we all know that it's his okay? first so... it's his first hat trick since the eight-point game i actually like forget. pekka like i think it's in terms of uh, Wave wire the fact that he's um, still just 34% owned and it's been shooting up the last couple of days. But um, yeah, still available in two thirds of leagues. Um, someone who is going to get probably at least 50% of the starts moving forward in a pretty sh- shitty division. Um, you know, yep. at least he's going to be getting a lot of games against Columbus and Detroit. Um, you know, obviously you want to avoid Sam Gagne at all costs. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I think in just in terms of, you know, the other guys that we've been talking about, I, I'd want Rene ahead of him and he's sitting about 15, 20% uh, below them in, in terms of the ownership rates. So um, should probably just be a little bit higher. Yeah, I don't think either one of them are terrible. Um, I would probably prefer both of them to to Holtby or Demko at this point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd prefer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, those yeah. guys, like I said, more spot start. You got to be a lot um, 
you got to really pick and choose with the, the Vancouver goalies this season where Rene, you could kind of comfortably keep in your third goalie spot um, and know that, you know, when the spot's available for him, you, you can feel comfortable playing him. Yeah. Like even teams like Dallas and stuff, you can start him against in that division uh, for sure. Uh, all right. Minnesota Capo Kakin at 49 or 41% owned seven wins, 19, uh, nine points. Jesus. 917 save percentage. Uh, but then Cam Talbot also returns to the crease tonight. He's 47. hovering at 47% owned. Um, to me, I actually prefer Cam Talbot. He's somebody that I was high on uh, coming into the season. Um, I, I, he's probably outside of the Florida duo. He's probably my favorite on this entire list. Uh, I, I just, you know, we talked about how that was kind of a lower event division. Um, I, I think that Minnesota is one of the most underrated teams in the entire NHL. I think that they're one of the best uh, defensive. They're actually good. I, they're one of the best defensive teams in the entire NHL. And I, I've, I've said for years that I, I think Cam Talbot is still one of the more underappreciated goalies in the league. Um, I, you know, Kakanen did, did show out a little bit um, when he was in there for Talbot while Talbot was out. But I think after, you know, you get Talbot gets back in here for a few games, he's going to kind of reclaim that, that number one spot. He was really solid at the start of the year, 920 save percentage through five games. So, Talbot really is my favorite on, on this list outside of the Florida duo. I don't know if you guys have anything more to add on. Minnesota. I would just say that's terrible timing for you and your love of Talbot then, Brock, for him to be coming back at this point. Because Kakinen really did mm-hmm. kind of look pretty mediocre the whole time. But he's won his last four games with a, a 938 save percentage or better in each of those outings. So he's red hot. He's as good as he's been all season. Um, no so doubt. I don't think it's going to be a case of Talbot comes right in and dispels them. The good thing for Talbot, back-to-back tonight and tomorrow. Um, so he should definitely get a game then, right? Yeah, he's starting um, tonight. Got tonight yeah. yeah, there you go. So then obviously Kakin will be back in tomorrow, but he at least um, the back-to-back gives him the chance to get right back in the crease, which otherwise might not have happened with how red-hot Kakin is. So I, I'm with you, but I would say I want whoever's starting. If Kakinen's going to hold on to the job, which um, you know I don't think is likely, but certainly, like I said, he's red-hot right now, so it could at least evolve into more of a partnership. Um, somewhere close to a 50-50. And I, I want whoever started on this team because they're not going to face a lot of uh, high-quality chances against. And I think they're both, at the very least, uh, league average goaltenders, which when you put good defense in front of average goaltending, you get good goaltending uh, production. Yeah, and, and basically almost every single one of these guys we've talked about so far is in a bit of a timeshare. So yeah. to me, I guess more or less what I'm saying is I prefer the Minnesota timeshare over sure. you know over Edmonton, Washington, or Vancouver, or Nashville. Push out. Uh, Beebs, you know, I know you hate the, the wild, so you probably don't have any nice things to say about either one of them. Uh, no, no, well, I would, I, I gotta agree with you guys. I would be wanting to own them right now. And if you could have both, it's a nice little duo to have. This team is clearly sound defensively. That'll happen when, uh, Ryan Suter is playing half the game, uh, <laughs> on your back end. And you got, you know, Matt Dumba out there and Jared Spurgeon. They got a, they got a great decor. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty much going to be a 50, 50 split. Um, I mean, it's, we could say whatever we could say. I think it's going to be this, it's going to be that. But yeah, for me, 50-50 split. Kakanen clearly is the goalie of the future there. Um, and, and and he's shown he can hold down an NHL workload here. And like D said, four-game winning streak. Um, he, he's kind of just got it going right now. I mean, the, these next these next couple of games are going to say a lot. If he feels the pressure yeah. of Talbert being back and he just gets lit up tomorrow night against the exact yeah. same team that doesn't light Talbot up tonight, it's going to say something. So, you know. Yeah, um, it's, it could be definitely be a hot hand situation, right, yeah. Beeb? So it's definitely yeah. a tough one to call. Um, I think yeah. the, the bookmakers would have it at 50-50. But nice it's hot hands to have. Any direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure, yeah. All right, two more boys to quickly just mention here at the bottom. Um, one, Linus Olmark, 33% owned. He's been pretty good for, for a Sabres team uh, that has struggled. Uh, the problem is he's out. Uh, he he hurt himself hurt. making 
an he absolutely ridiculous oh dude he made an insane save last night <laughs> i think it was nico he like just robbed him but like ripped his groin to shreds sick. on the save i think nice. he stayed in finished the first so period did, at all didn't return no so uh you know obviously monitor that situation he is going to miss both games this weekend but really at that point uh you know his ownership percentage hero. might drop even more and then he really might become available the in league. terms of what you can do as a goaltender right like i don't think you could say anymore no, the guy and literally it, tore his groin making a save. You oh, it was such a good save, though. Uh, but somebody going <laughs> in the opposite the opposite direction is Jack Campbell, nine percent owned, widely available for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. He is going on the road trip. Uh, I think they start a five game road trip today with Frederick Anderson out. Uh, at least you know short term. It looks like uh, Jack Campbell, when he met with the media today, said, I feel great. I'm ready to go. So to me, that sounds like somebody who's ready to start hockey games. So uh, if he's the man said he's, he looks good to go as well. So that's, yeah. uh, that's what you so want. So if he's the number one in Toronto right now, he is definitely a, a, a great pickup. He's a really good goalie. He has been really good in, in, in a short period of time with the Maple Leafs. So, um, you know, I, I, Nine percent. By the time that this episode airs, I'm sure he will be uh, much higher owned. But it, you know, make sure you get him, into the so wire. Just went up Shit. To 10. I yeah. am literally looking at him in that exact same league debate. Make sure you <laughs> get to the waiver wire. Start Saturday. <laughs> That's why I knew I had to do it right away. <laughs> Damn it! I literally have his page up. I wasn't even listening to Brock talk for the last thirty seconds. Damn Two four, it! Two forty-seven save goals against average. Nine seventeen save percentage. And eight career starts with the Maple Leafs. If he's replacing Frederick Anderson as the number one, definitely a good pickup. I'm gonna let you two argue about. <laughs> What just happened? <laughs> I'm Brock Segan. We got Dylan D. Berthier, Michael Bruce Bondi. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this DFO podcast presented to you by our friends at Odd Shark. We will see you guys back here next week. <laughs> Gonna have to stream someone like fucking Carter Hutton now. Thanks, Steve. Jake Odinger. <laughs> Peace. Jake Odinger. Broken down, so I walked the line. I dropped my wounds and I down. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Like a broken arrow The time slows and my vision arrows I'm out of money, I'm out of time Sing your hearts out, sing it loud Make me happy, make me proud Black holes, solid ground Black holes, solid ground A thousand voices set on free Because it's silence
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.